Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. What's up, Internet, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardawar. And Reviews Editor Sherlyn Lowe. Today, it's iPhone, 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 and a lot of <laughs> and other some news. other phones. We, we got our, yeah, we got our Pixel 5 review. We have our Pixel 4a 5G and a preview of the Xbox Series X. Uh, we'll be talking about all that today on the show. And also, Jess Condit from Engadget is going to be joining us to talk about Xbox and her thoughts on that. She's been living with it for a while, so that should be fun. As always, if you're enjoying the show, please be sure to subscribe to the Engadget Podcast on iTunes or your podcatcher's choice. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes, and uh, you can join us live at 10 a.m. on Thursdays, typically Eastern. Um, and the benefit of that is you get to see us actually work here, um, but you can also join in and chat with us about all of our segments. So, like, for example, today, we'll be able to chat with people and take their questions about the Xbox Series X. Let's jump into all the iPhones, the iPhone 12, the iPhone 12 mini, and the Pro and Max version of each phone, and, and a couple <laughs> other things from Apple. It was a pretty streamlined hardware event from Apple. Uh, there weren't really many surprises, right? We got the HomePod mini, which is a smaller smart speaker, kind of what we were expecting. We got the iPhone 12, and the entire iPhone lineup has 5G. The only surprise there seems like the mini, I think, because uh, there were rumors of a smaller one coming. Mm -hmm. But it is interesting to see Apple focusing on like a actual premium small phone. And I wonder if that's like worth a deeper conversation from us. Uh, we've got 5G. We've got a couple cool features. Uh, Sherlyn, what, what really stands out from you? And actually, before we even get to that, I want to say if you guys want to hear us dive into like every little bit of this, uh, the iPhone presentation, we did a live chat right after that on Tuesday. So you can find that on YouTube. Uh, it's a fun watch because we dive into all the little bits of info. This is going to be like a broader discussion. But Sherlyn, what's your takeaway from the iPhone event? I mean, I was super stoked for the mini. I think mm -hmm. as someone who's been re-dabbling with iOS again, that event was... And as someone who like is an Android ecosystem person, that was very... Like I had severe grasses greener syndrome. I was like, oh, that looks so nice. Um, it does look nice and polished and the, it's not yeah, all the time. Hmm. Well, the iPhone 12 Pro build looks nice, right? That that has the shiny edges, the, you know, Pro's camera setup. So mm -hmm. that really like seemed more... The sensor shift really stood out to me, I think. 
then the 12 mini just was like a cute little eye for the way so it you- fit in the hands uh, that mm-hmm. they showed looked really good. So I, I, I might yeah. consider getting an iPhone 12 mini. <laughs> Okay, I'm holding that you to that. I feel like the big thing this year design-wise is that they just went back to the flat edge design, yeah. which we last saw in the iPhone 5 and the 5S, which to me felt like the pinnacle of older iPhone cases because the iPhone 5 was just such a thin, light, sleek thing, and that flat case just felt really good in your hand. Mm-hmm. Um, this time, they're going back to those flat edges uh, basically for the antennas. And uh, right. these 5G phones need big, big, big antennas. So yeah. that pretty much the entire outside is an antenna array. There's even like a little dot, um, like a little spot underneath the power button that is like yep. an open antenna It looks area. like a SIM tray, but it's basically on the edge below the power yep. button and it is uh, sort of like a receiver thingy. Which spot. makes me wonder, I hope they learned a lot from their antenna yep. gate stuff uh, <laughs> because everyone's saying that like as you're holding it, We've had this problem before. It's going to be even more pronounced on 5G where antennas are so sensitive. And so like it's so finicky. Um, So there's that. But I appreciate this new design. Um, I think the iPhone 12 just as a, you know, the phone that most people will probably get. It looks like a really good device because it's uh, they all have OLED screens now. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Finally, OLED. Finally. Finally. you know, they're still sticking with, what, two cameras. They're not really pushing things. Uh, the processor looks good, but it seems like just overall they're kind of refining things here. It's really 5G and a couple of the other things they added, too, that I think are going to be a big draw for a lot of users. And one of those is MagSafe, which oh, they're man. bringing back. Wow. I forgot about MagSafe. I, during, like, when you asked me what stood out, I forgot about MagSafe for a <laughs> moment, but it stood out. I was just like... Oh, this is really cool. Like I don't it's use a lot really of really cool. It's I don't use it's, a lot of accessories, but, but it's nothing high tech. It's just it's a freaking It's just magnet. magnets. I know. It's That's a what Twitter magnet. That was the Twitter take. And it's true, but like the funny thing is what they've done with it, right? It, yeah. it seems like yeah. they're and also Apple just has a much more thriving and like case and accessory ecosystem than any other Android phone. Just because mm-hmm. there's it's just more unified, there's so much more of them in volume for the one brand. Um, and yeah, I'm excited to see like what people make out <laughs> yeah. of this. Because it, it's honestly, it's more than just magnets. I feel like this yeah. is the thing where you talk about Apple usability, where they look at something that's existed before and kind of just make it slightly easier to use. I feel like Apple Pay was one of those because we had NFC payments before. They kind of sucked um, and they needed a unified way to kind of bring it all together, and make it easy for people. This is just like, hey, it's a magnet, but it's also a smart way to align your phone with wireless chargers, which is a pain. A lot of people have pointed out too that the uh, because it's magnetic and it's so much smaller, you don't have to leave yeah. it lying on the table when you're charging your phone. You can actually hold up your phone and use it while yep. you're charging too, which is a nice diff- change. Oh yeah, that's been a constant problem yeah. for us with wireless power. Um, and the other thing we didn't the air power is dead. The three device <laughs> wireless charging thing that's not happening. But they did show so off a cool accessory. It's sad. Uh, they showed off a portable accessory that could wirelessly charge. Your iPhone and your Apple Watch, and it kind of folds up together too for tra- for traveling. Which to me, that just back when we were traveling again, I am certainly tired of like having yeah. a ton of cables in my bag. The Apple Watch cable is always too long. Do you have anything to say about five G, Sherlyn? Because I feel like that's a big thing Apple's pushing this year. But I think we both know, and we've talked about this on the show. It's not great <laughs> in the U.S. It's not going to be great for a while, right? You know what's a funny story I can tell you right now about <laughs> yes. that is my. <laughs> My 
<laughs> my oh therapist asked me if it's <laughs> it's worth getting a 5G phone Did this year. Did your therapist ask you, is 5G, is, my it, therapist is it true? Because, like, I started opening up more about, like, what I do at work, uh-huh. like, over the last few months. And they don't and my Google you, I assume, yeah. They don't Google you. So now, so now they know, like, I, I gave him a heads up where I was like, Oh yeah, next week's gonna be the Apple event. I'm gonna be covering it. He, and then he mm-hmm. like uses an iPhone as well, so he was all like, "Give me the insider I, info." <laughs> right, be, right at the start of our session, he was like, "I know you hate. I don't want to talk to you about your work, but I kind of want to ask you about five G." <laughs> like, no, so this he, is all the pain in my life, all the pressure <laughs> in my life, and oh man, oh, oh, man. So, oh well, that's funny. I found it so funny. So, so, but. I think of yeah. like people like my therapist and my friends as people who are really asking that question, right? People who really need to know whether this is the year to get 5G. Yeah. Um, after talking to my therapist, his main takeaway, because he's on an iPhone 11, he was all like, I can wait for the 13. I don't need to upgrade for 5G right now. And I think that yep. that's what most people who are on a newer iPhone model um, should be feeling and should be thinking. Unless you have like mm-hmm. one of the older ones or you really want the iPhone 12 mini. I don't think that the 5G is such a big deal on the 12 series just yet, especially because the antenna placement is something they need to figure out over time. So the 13 is likely going to be better. Gotcha. And the iPhone 12 mini, let's talk a bit about that because it's a yeah. it's a notable thing. It's a unique thing. It has a 5.4-inch screen. Apple sold it as an iPhone that fits <laughs> in the palm of your hand, which yeah. imagine that, a phone that actually fits in your hand. Yeah. Kind of, you can kind reach- of amazing. Yeah. Across the screen with one, with your thumb for some of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's a it's a unique thing because it's like we're it's been a while since mm-hmm. we've seen good small phones. It typically it's been like the iPhone SE, which they refreshed this year and looks really right. cool. This thing is even smaller than the iPhone SE. It has a it's a smaller physical device, but it has a larger screen because it has the newer edge head screen design. So I think for mm-hmm. a lot of people for people like my wife who I've been trying to get over to an iPhone for a while <laughs> and she just doesn't like big phones. Right yeah. now she has a Pixel 3, which is just yeah. 0.1 inches bigger than this. So mm-hmm. this is going to be an easy transition. Um, thoughts on the cute small small phone, Trillin? I mean, it is the one I want to get. I prefer mm-hmm. the smaller phones. I've always thought, like, I was looking at the sizes for the 12 Pro and 12 Pro Max and those are just too big yeah. for me. I also, like your wife, have been maining a smaller Pixel, um, and those are about the same size, I think. So we'll see, though. I mean, like, (laughs) the nice thing, too, is that, like, like, compared to the SE, which uses older processors, the 12 mini uses this new 5 nanometer processor, which is great. I can't wait to see what that brings. It has 5G. It is the smallest 5G phone we've ever seen, too, which is notable, sure. Yeah, yeah, you're right because mm-hmm. well, the the Pixel Five is fairly small, but definitely Not the Twelve small. Mini looks yeah. like it's smaller than this. Yeah, um, so no, I'd love to see. I want to test for me to get the iPhone Twelve Mini. I would need to know the cameras are great, the battery yep. life is good. I think that's about it. Battery life is the one area because battery life scales with the size of your phone, and that's always been one yeah. big benefit of the bigger phones. Exactly. You do, you do kind of trade off some battery life for having a bigger screen, but you also get more room to fit in a battery. I wonder what they're going to do with that. And I'm looking forward to seeing like what those specs are. Yeah, um, yeah and they're OLEDs too. So it's like, okay. They're OLEDs. Um, and the iPhone 12 seems fine for what it yeah. is. Uh, what's interesting is that the iPhone 12 mini starts at 699 which is where the iPhone 11 started. So now the iPhone 12 is starting at 799 So it seems yeah. like a way to... Really push, push people up a little higher in the price range. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the 12 Pro and the 12 Pro Max mm-hmm. because 
like last year, they're slightly, you know, higher end, more premium versions of these phones. They have stainless steel finishes. They have three cameras still, unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, it's a shame because we're seeing a lot more cameras on Android phones. But I feel like this is one respect where Apple is being a little restrained and not going like balls to the wall like uh, I mean, Samsung and other folks. It's arguable how useful those yeah. four cameras are too. I, yeah. I, not to defend Apple. I never want to defend <laughs> Apple, but <laughs> wow, we're seeing but, the transition here from Android no, no, no. to no, no. Wow. But the th- <laughs> knowing <laughs> the experience and the you know assorted failures that Android has had, I don't think four cameras is all that necessary because the fourth yeah, usually yeah. is the telephoto, the extra zoom telephoto in this case, because or a macro, right? Like mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think most people really need a macro on their on their I would camera like a on macro, their phone. But yeah, ma- macro seems like the thing that is usually overkill for a lot of these yeah. phones. Um, telephoto makes sense, and telephoto is the thing you get. Uh, well, uh, actually, no. On iPhone 12, what do you get? You get you get the wide and the, the wide and the telephoto 12. and the main. Yeah. yeah. So, but you get ultra wide on Pro, which is useful. I like ultra wide. Yeah. I like ultra wide lenses. Uh, so if you're like in a small room or something, where you just want to get like a really skewed shot ultra wide is a really cool way to get that and honestly mm-hmm. being trapped in a house with a baby where we're often in a room and i want to capture a photo yeah. and capture everything in the room sometimes that's the way you have to do it so you know that's those are the benefits there uh the iphone 12 pros can shoot and edit dolby vision hdr which is notable i don't know how many people are going to do that because normally that's that the takes- thing yeah, professional Even, cameras plus computers to render that HDR. So, hey, okay, this is cool. It's and this brings us back to a point I think that was made a lot in the in the 24 to 48 hours after the event, which is that the Pro might be a bit too pro. Uh, <laughs> it might not have the same appeal. And the point I was trying to make also with the three camera versus four camera setup mm-hmm. too is that Apple traditionally the iPhones are made for the norms, right? Like the yeah. people who the more mainstream audience. So it's it's really pushing the pro line with these camera upgrades into maybe beyond the mainstream. Maybe like regular mm-hmm. people should just keep to the 12 and not consider I the think, 12 Pro. I think that's why they create this whole new line to begin mm-hmm. with, right? Because when they debuted the iPhone 10, so the iPhone X, there was never an mm-hmm. iPhone 9, right? So we got the yeah. iPhone 10, which was the new redesign, and then right. the 8 series which were yes. the old designs with the chunky bezels, and those were all the same year. So that mm-hmm. was like the delineation. Do you want to try this new thing, or do you prefer the home button? And then eventually right. they pushed it all to the iPhone ten design. But yeah, I, what was it? The iPhone ten S year just mm-hmm. seemed boring. It just seemed right. super boring. Like we got the ten S Max, we got slightly yeah. bigger, but that was kind of it. There wasn't really much going on there. Last year's phones is where they really what solidified how right. those things were being different. Um, but yeah, thoughts? I mean, there was the 10R the same year as the 10S, yes, I think, 10R, and that was yeah. there's a similar delineation where there's mm-hmm. that slightly, you know, budgetier line, and then there's the you know higher end line. True. But this and is the a 10R shift. had a bigger screen than the uh, than the 10S, yeah, which is weird, and it was using this yeah. liquid retina, which was LCD. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, you know, sh- this shift to the 12 and 12 Pro is a bit different, where the the lower end, so-called lower end phones, actually good enough for most people rather yeah. than like the 10R, which was more like the budget light option. And then yeah. you have pushing towards higher end specs. I almost think this is Apple's way of getting like the Android people interested because Android sure, people sure. have always been like, 
we're at the forefront of cutting edge technology with these pop-up cameras and four cameras. Um, <laughs> we will never why do I make Apple a voice a like that camera. for my camera? Talk, anyway. talk about Android ideas that Apple won't steal. They will never, never do a, a pop-up yeah. camera. Wow. Never. Or a flash never, ever. or whatever. Or like, yeah. Good luck if you want to see an in-display fingerprint sensor even. Like, I feel like mm. at some point maybe, but that... We could see that. That doesn't feel... Yeah. That feels... That might what, be a steal. Yeah. yeah. What feels Apple-y is sleek and easy to use, and everything about the pop-up cameras or the like twisting phones feels was like it they the LG never... thing we saw. No, yeah. we're not going to yeah. get any of that again. <laughs> you mean the LG Wing? <laughs> the LG Wing, yeah. Um, talking about the Pro line, so it seems like Apple settled to a point where they have the budget phone, they have the refreshed iPhone SE, mm-hmm. they have the mainstream phone, they have iPhone 12, and they have a smaller mainstream phone, which is interesting. I don't know who the Pro and Pro Max are really for now. I will say, for me, as a guy who is chasing a toddler around and wants the best cameras possible, I will always go Pro, but I'm a nerd. I'm a gadget well, hound, you know? Y- mm-hmm. You might be disappointed, like, because if we're talking about, like, that whole thing where the Pro is for the very advanced, like, user who really wants all yeah. these high specs or high-end specs, this major feature that's missing that Apple will be slow to adopt, I think, is 120 hertz refresh rate. Yeah. Or even 90. A higher refresh even rate. Even 90. Exactly. Exactly. Would be nice. Yeah. But then I feel like Apple's always been behind on display tech, right? It's always been slow to kind of like they adopt They were slow to OLED. Things. Yeah. 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 And HDR was even not supported until recently. And Sony actually started mm-hmm. that. So. Eh. But I think they, they got Dolby Vision before anybody else did. So that was the thing. Like sometimes Apple takes a while, but then they make a leap ahead of other people. So it's really, it's a really interesting game that Apple plays of like waiting, 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 jumping. It's- they jumped yeah. because they were also, I think, maybe they were in talks with Dolby to like get the standard mm-hmm. together because HDR standards were just all over the place back are, then too. So, yeah. so Dolby Vision's now becoming the most popular. I think also because yeah. Apple threw his name behind it. So it, it, it's a, that's a long story. But the thing is, yeah. Dolby used to require hardware like in a device to mm. activate, and that's not the case anymore. Now Dolby Vision can just be software. If your di- right. if your display meets certain specs, it can be Dolby Vision approved, but you still have to pay right. for it. Uh, you have right, to pay right. a license fee to Dolby to use so the certification. Yeah, I think Apple is at least one of those companies that's willing to do that and get that branding rather than mm-hmm. like you know Samsung and a lot of other folks. Right, or like HDR10 or whichever mm-hmm. else HDR um, standards were out there. Yeah. But I don't know, people. People, I, I, I was kind of impressed by the footage and the samples they showed at the mm-hmm. event. I was just like, oh, really? iPhone cameras are that great now? And I know they've made a lot of improvement over. The last year or two, I yeah. still, I'm still, I'm still a Pixel camera person at heart, which they're, we'll get to later. Good. Google's they're... done a lot with one camera, but yeah, we will talk about the Pixel Five, <laughs> kind of what's going on there. Yes. Where I am, I'm not impressed. Uh, I do think like all the videos Apple always shows off during these events are super, super marketing things, yeah. but. Uh, they showed off a bunch of like videos that were shot right on the iPhone 12 Pro. And I think the mm-hmm. dynamic range of those sensors, just the ability of information they were capture in low light. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, a, it's a lot of different things. They're good cameras that do a good job. And uh, I'll say this as somebody who has trouble sometimes with cameras that can't quite capture my dark skin. Mm. Uh, it looks like this camera will actually be good with that, too. And I yeah. feel like that's a thing you can't quite you can't quite sell because a lot of people don't understand it. But I think the overall low light performance on this phone seems yeah. kind of phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. So it I feel lo- like that's a that's a big plus. 
I can't wait to see what our tests um, of the phone result in, if it's really that great. But, well, yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah. I we think, got a list of it? things we were waiting for, too. Like, things, rumors that we yes. were wondering about. So, there is no, uh, we did not make the shift to USB-C this year. Yeah. A lot of people but, assumed we would. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, we lost the cable in the box or something. No, right? we have the cable in the box. I'm we sorry, have, the and actually, brick. it's the good cable. It is the yeah. USB C to Lightning cable, which you previously had to go pay extra for. Actually, the last time I bought one of those, I was in Taiwan for Computex and I was like, <laughs> oh, damn. Somehow I left the hotel without my cable. Right. So I went to a random Apple reseller, pointed really hard at the cable <laughs> I wanted. I didn't and, uh, go with you to it. help you like translate no, or anything. No, oh, you, you were not there, but it's fine. Everybody, the thing I love about Taiwan and our Computex trips Air is that English, it, it's good, okay. Yeah. Or, like people get it. Um, so yeah, that is the good cable, but you need a good charger. And you need the that's C, the, the AC C, adapter, the yeah. AC adapter, but with the C uh, socket, right? Like, yeah. so a lot of people don't have that. I mean, my parents were mm-hmm. like, my dad was all like. I can't what plug this into my computer. And he's like on the te- desktop running Windows XP. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like. It's true. Dad. It's true. So yeah, yeah, USB-C, not everywhere in computers. I think the assumption is, and some Android manufacturers are doing this, is that you could plug it into any of the AC adapters you have or your computer. But if you don't have C yet, that's kind of a pain. Yeah. I will say Anchor and a lot of companies are producing really nice, inexpensive, powerful AC adapters for USB-C. Mm-hmm. So you can find those pretty much everywhere. Um, and the other thing, there is no headphones. There, there aren't headphones in the box, which right. Apple took great pains to explain as a like <laughs> environmental thing, right? Yeah, I get it. I this is this is a conversation that ha- that I hear both sides on. Like I see why we want to reduce e-waste. A lot of people don't need mm-hmm. that component anymore, but not I yeah. think when you're shifting where the cable included in the box is so different from previous. Um, I think that that's not the time yet to like remove mm-hmm. these bricks um but i also understand that not everyone you know like ha- is mm-hmm. me is like me that and i have a lot yeah, of accessories yeah, yeah. you know we so. like i have a lot of random headphones too but here's the thing the headphones in the box even though they were like the reshaped uh ear pods that was the name right uh AirPods, they yeah. still sounded kind of crappy if you went to a drugstore and spent ten dollars on like a good pair of headphones um, any headphones they would probably sound better than the AirPods. It's going to be annoying for a lot of people, especially if they're not in the news and they're not seeing what's happening, especially if you gift an iPhone to somebody and it doesn't have all the components they need. You kind of have to be yeah. more aware as a shopper. That stinks. Apple will be happy to sell you replacement accessories, but <laughs> exactly. it's not great overall. I do think the environmental impact, that is a thing I've been thinking yeah. about because we talk about devices so much. All the gadgets we discuss and the things we tell people that, hey, you should probably buy this have a huge environmental cost. And even yes. the small things in the packaging, yes. like the headphones yes. you may never use, have a cost. So yeah, it is probably, this is where we have to go because we've turned this world into living hell. So we have to yeah. kind of scale back somehow. Uh, yeah. So that makes sense to me. Um, one other thing is that they have not shifted at all from the iPhone 10 design. And that's specifically yeah. the notch design on the yep. front screen. And I, mm, I'm used to it. <laughs> But I am certainly, that's the thing when I look at an Android phone, any Android phone with a pinhole camera, I just see all display on the front. That just feels like, man, what am I missing? It's just a couple pixels. It's not very much, but it does feel like you're missing something. I think on the iPhone 12 mini, it is not proportional. So it's actually, Mm, it looks like it takes an even bigger chunk of the screen than it does on the 12 and others, right? Yeah, it does look like that. And 
as someone who again has been android for a while and having seen this feature on android phones for a while i can tell you like yeah it's nice because android also <laughs> has now by now figured out how to avoid the cutout in the hole with the notifications yep. before when it was first introduced it was like whoops you can't see oh, yeah. one now it's icon. like freaking magic now it's like yeah. there's a camera in the front and yeah. no now no actual know what spot to do for with it, it. Exactly. So mm-hmm. it, this is one way, like, I mean, we've pointed out so many ways that Apple tends to lag the competition. And mm-hmm. now, like, yes, it is iterating or improving on certain things ahead of Android, but definitely there's still a lot of catch up Apple has to do. Gotcha. And one more device before we give up on Apple, the HomePod <laughs> mini, like let's last but not least, but probably least is the HomePod yeah. mini which is the new $99 small, you know, smaller version of the HomePod. It looks fine. It looks yeah. fine. Like I described it, it looks I like mean, a sliced nine, open grapefruit that you'd get, <laughs> you know, for breakfast somewhere. Um, yeah. I, 99 uh, bucks, I, though. That's a really good yeah, price. Go I mean, for an Apple product, like the HomePod was a lot more expensive than that. $99 makes it a lot more competitive with the Nest Audio that we just reviewed and the Amazon Echo it seems like now instead of putting this extreme focus on sound quality like the original HomePod Apple is like oh we need to make a speaker that's smart yeah this uh, is so affordable. this is a series speaker yeah. yeah so this is a way for Apple smart home ecosystem people to get a smart speaker cuz Sure. Otherwise, you're going to just use Amazon stuff. This is right? one you could put in your kids' rooms or something, and they don't have the stuff like they, there's no Alexa always listening, although there is Siri right. back and on forth, but that's right. usually local on the device. Um, right. I'll say, like, uh, I've seen some speaker comparisons. I believe this thing has only a single driver, which really puts it behind the Amazon Echo yeah. or the or you even know, Nest the, Audio. The Nest Audio is impressive. Yeah. The Nest yeah. Audio sounds all right. Um, this isn't going to be a great sounding device, but I think it's a good way to spread things around. They introduced an intercom feature, which Google has, Amazon has. Uh, one yeah. cool thing is you'll be able to drop into your kids' uh, AirPods. I like that, yeah. That was yeah. so funny. That is funny. Uh, teenagers everywhere will hate it. Parents everywhere will be like, this is exactly what here's, I need. Here's, here's our distinction, Dev. You're the parent uh-huh. on this conversation. Yep. I'm the one who remembers being a teenager not that you don't but i, yeah. I remember being it was five years ago teen. but yeah for you yeah. <laughs> yes i wish that we're like i would put on my headphones just to drown out my parents yelling sure. at me and sure. and yeah i i and now they give you like hey we bought you these headphones so we can jump in whenever we want <laughs> i'd yeah. be like <laughs> you would be that to your parents oh, oh sure God, i yeah. believe you charlene sure I, would, I might not be i don't know but yeah, yeah. i, I it's a fun feature, funny feature to see. Yeah. So uh, do you think this is going to be the last Apple news we see this year? Because there, nope. there were still some things people were expecting, right? Like maybe some of the new MacBook news. We haven't mm-hmm. heard about the, any new Apple TV things, which mm-hmm. seems like now seems like a good point for it. Uh, there, is there going to be another event, you think? The rumors and the mm-hmm. expectation is that there will be an event in November. Um, okay. The people who have been watching the industry more or less know. Uh, usually, I think in the past they've held like at a Chicago event for education stuff around November, yeah. but I, I can't really remember. But that was typically like cheap iPads, and we've that already had the iPads. iPad news. Yeah. yeah. So this will probably uh, be before MacBook. One rumor I saw too was like the the Apple TV is going to get like the ultra wideband chip. And right. a lot of the devices are going to get this ultra wideband functionality, yeah. which will allow it's sort of like localized GPS in that yep. they will work directly 
with your iOS devices. Um, they could tell like when you come home or something. Yeah, basically it's similar to basically similar to the millimeter wave 5G technology, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. It, because it's so sh- like high on the spectrum and short frequency and like the you know the propagation is sh- uh, shorter, it's really meant for these contained spaces. But mm-hmm. it's so like the throughput is so good, the latency is so much better just within that space. I'm really excited to see like once all these devices have it integrated, mm-hmm. how it'll work out. It's um, interesting. Like if you're if you had HomePods and you walk from room to room. If your audio would just like follow you from room right. to room, that would be kind of cool without manually doing it. This that is all speculation. That is a dream. That this is, is a what ultra wideband yeah. could allow for. And that's something that I know Google has been working on this idea of multi room audio and your your music following you from room to sure, room. And sure. this could be that seamless implementation we're thinking mm. about. Yeah, or even like video content too. So anyway. That's all the stuff we're expecting. Uh, let us know what you guys think about all the Apple news. Will you be upgrading? I'm having a hard time thinking if I should upgrade from the 11 Pro. Just yeah. because I, mm, It's not good enough yet, but I really do want to get my wife the 12 Mini. So we'll I, I also, mm-hmm. And I also want you, dear listener and viewer, to let us know where you stand on this e-waste debate. I want to hear from people out there, not us reviewers, um, <laughs> whether you need that thing in the box. Yeah. Yes, podcast at Engadget.com. Drop us a line. Let's move on to our Pixel 5 reviews. And also, not just Pixel (laughs) 5, the Pixel 4a 5G, two Pixel devices we just reviewed this week. Um, Thoughts, Sherlyn? Broad thoughts? Because I know you didn't do the Pixel 5, right? Well, I have both phones. And in my review, I compared the 4a 5G to the 5 a lot, too. Because my overall thoughts are is that the... Pixel lineup this year is hella confusing. Yeah. It's like, it's like, A, first of all, like, Google, what were you doing, bro? Like, (laughs) oh? And then secondly, like, which Pixel to get is also a big question. So I liked, I obviously, I'm sure you are too. I advise, like, my friends in the real world um, what phones they should get. And I've been trying Mm -hmm. to convince people to go on the Pixel, like, to to get on the Pixel bandwagon. (laughs) Apple just, like, or Google just, like, (laughs) threw a wrench into all your recommendations now. Maybe. Yeah, entirely possible. Because one of my friends, um, she's an artist, and she recently gave up on the Samsung Note series that she's been using for a long time. And she's like, should I really make that switch to Apple? Because she just bought an iPad. I'm like... It might be better for you, but yeah. hold on for the Pixel yeah. 5. <laughs> and now the Pixel 5 is here, and I'm like, oh, no. Now go, mm. now go iPhone. Especially, mm. I will say, like, so much of our devices are defined by our ecosystems, and yeah. your life is much easier if you have devices that play well together. So that exactly. is the Apple trap, but that's also partially the Android trap and the Samsung trap. So that's yeah. also one reason I want to get my wife away from Android, because it's okay. so much easier if we're all on <laughs> iOS. Yeah. It's true. Like if, yeah, if you're in, like, you're not just taking care of yourself, you want to play nice with other people, mm-hmm. you have to make sure you're all on, in the same ecosystem because like for you, AirDrop will be so much easier to use with your wife rather than mm-hmm. whatever the hell you're using now. For me, I've got Google's um, new nearby share feature I can use with a bunch of phones, but Android's a little fragmented. A, a bunch of phones, but you don't know which ones. Yeah, not all. To, mm, <laughs> Android. Just okay. all get on pixels. Just yeah. pixels. Anyhow, um, yeah. So we did. We did these. We cranked out these reviews. Me and Chris Velasco, our senior editor for mobile, um, and I think both of us feel largely the same way. I have a lot of fun review stories to tell you about, though. I mean, mm-hmm. it. So Does it involve some... trying to fall? Because I think those Nothing. are the only stories you want to hear about. 
Not this time. Not Aww. this time. Uh, basically, I needed to test like some of the new features, and you know, thankfully this time no five G testing for me. Just I didn't have to, <laughs> you know, pace up and down a block to get five G. Um, but one thing that kept happening when I was trying to test new features was I kept grabbing the wrong phone. Mm. <laughs> It's like, so I have. I have the um, 4A that I'm using as my daily driver now, and then the 4A 5G. And honestly, the one of the differences is that the size, the 4A 5G, is slightly bigger. It's a 6.2 inch screen compared to the yeah, compared to the 4A, which is like a 5.8 inch, 8.1 inch. But mm -hmm. it it you know the the difference isn't that big when you put them side by side. And when I'm holding just the 4A 5G, I'm always like, is this the small guy or the bigger guy? <laughs> and you, you kind of always had to flip behind to be like, oh, there's mm -hmm. a double camera. Um, and I just was testing features and I was like, wait, why doesn't this phone have them? And it turns out I was using the 4A, not the 5G. Um, so that's one thing, right? Like just based on their faces mm -hmm. and holding them on their own, they're hard to differentiate. The other thing was well, I, Not many people will have that problem, but that many. is Nobody a very Sherlin-specific problem. It's, I think yeah. it does speak to like the lack of design differentiation among all these devices. Which, so, which yeah. could be a good thing, right? Like, yeah. it's not a bad thing. Um, mm. The main, the main, th the but the thing about like lack of differentiation, especially between the 45G and the five, is that it makes it hard to be like, well, which one yep. do I get? Because the difference between the two, the major feature that's missing to me anyway on the 45G is water resistance. Like mm -hmm. I. When I Ooh. recommend people what not to get or what to get in the Pixel lineup this year, I'm just mm -hmm. like, eh, how clumsy are you? you <laughs> like, want, well, also, and here's the joke we make about 5G is that for a lot of, I, does that have the millimeter wave stuff? Because so that's the other. You want to, you need to be outside to get some of yeah. these super fast 5G speeds. Maybe outside in the rain. That's not great. The, you don't have the, water yeah, <laughs> I I used the 4G 5G in the rain a little bit because mm -hmm. it was drizzling during our review. Uh, video shoot but uh it was fine it's just you mm -hmm. can't like drop it in the pool or something the the thing you're saying about millimeter wave that's the other problem with the 4a 5g is that mm -hmm. it starts at 499 but if you want millimeter wave you need to spend a hundred dollars more to get verizon's millimeter wave right. model which is but faster than the was it the faster than the, the sub six Yeah. Uh, and it, it, it's the one that you want to get for that speed mm -hmm. boost, but it's not widely available yet. Um, the nodes aren't all up all over the place. And yeah. what I think is problematic, because we were also talking about Apple earlier today, is that Verizon made this model that's $100. Like Verizon has this, and Verizon, by the way, is our parent company, mm -hmm. <laughs> but they have no control over editorial mm -hmm. content. Um, Verizon... And Google have this like specific carrier version for their milli millimeter wave 5G. And then like at the Apple event, Verizon was just like, hey, we're launching nationwide uh, sub six. So you don't actually <laughs> need to spend an extra hundred dollars for the pixel. But nah, we don't care no, about you, you pixel do. people. You kind of do because nationwide sub six is not going to be it's not going to be a huge the, speed boost. Like right. they're just building on top of LTE at this point. But Verizon mm -hmm. customers who wanted a Pixel 4a 5G, which I admit yeah. is a very small set of, maybe a small set of people, just got yeah. pretty, pretty screwed, I think. Eh. Like they, they Everybody benefits extra. from more, from a wider network, right? Because the- I mean, I agree. Yeah. But you can't use the 
base for a 5G on Verizon, it doesn't seem like, right? It, on Verizon they haven't Step told 6, me but not Verizon millimeter wave. But you still have I to see. pay $100 extra to buy the Verizon version, which mm. has both Sub-6 and millimeter yeah. wave. Yeah. So this is something we're going to figure out. I already sent That's a question annoying. out to... Yeah. yeah, I already sent a question out to Google and Verizon being like, well, what happens mm-hmm. now to this $100 more expensive <laughs> version? We'll we figure that out. We didn't talk about this in the iPhone thing, by the way, but there were reports too that some carriers like T-Mobile and Sprint right. have to charge slightly more for the iPhones, I think, based so, on yeah. the 5G stuff. It's not It's not that they are charging more. It's that the AT&T and Verizon models come with carrier discounts. So they're actually okay. 100 to $200 okay. cheaper. Um, and no idea why T-Mobile <laughs> didn't want to wanna go along with it because maybe they were yeah. not happy that Verizon was on stage at the Apple event. Yeah, Who knows? that could be it. So we have two, what is up? Like general thoughts <laughs> of the Pixel 5 because the review, you know, Chris's review Felt very lukewarm. I don't know if it's like the mid-range processor, if it's just like other things. Like it doesn't seem like a leap over the four, and it the, some in yeah. some ways seems like a step back, right? In some ways, I think if you're mm-hmm. a processor, you know, nerd, I guess is the word <laughs> for it. Um, you would be disappointed to know that they're using a Snapdragon 765G in the a Pixel seven 5. series, a seven series, what? as compared to the 865 mm. or the eight, sorry, 855 that was on the four. Uh, but as has been proven in the A series, Google's really good at making software fly on like not so great or not so fast processors. So. It might be okay. Like, don't get too mad just yet because you're saving $200 at least, right, on the Pixel 5 compared to other flagships. Mm-hmm. But I do think that um, because V V and I basically wrote our reviews together and he his general takeaway is that for the money, there's just so many better options. Yeah. Um, OnePlus, I think came in this week with the strongest competition to the Pixel 5. For $750, the OnePlus 8T offers a really compelling set of features, right? Setting aside the cameras, which is where OnePlus just is not good at and Google's Mm -hmm. really good at, the OnePlus 8T has like the high-end processor of super fast refresh rate. I think it's 120 hertz. It's got a nice design um, and clean-ish Oxygen OS software. So... And the seven hundred and fifty dollars, you don't really, and a bigger battery too, by the mm-hmm. way. So, there. What's the Pixel Five start at? Seven hundred. Yeah, seven hundred. Okay. So a fifty dollar jump for mm-hmm. a way better processor. I think if you're someone who cares about the spec sheet, yeah. like I want these numbers, I want this processor model. The OnePlus 8T might be the better. I point. would not make that jump. I will say, like the things you actually see, like the photos you take. I think the camera differences. You'll I probably do care feel about. More. Than the I was gonna say that like if you care about camera on the other yeah. hand, and if you're a more mainstream user of your phone, then the Pixel Five is good enough. It's a little expensive for what it is, but you know I mean, it's already cheaper than a Samsung Galaxy S twenty. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to point out that the battery, like, there's two okay two things that made me laugh during this review. Laugh at myself. One, the battery test we run is a video rundown test. I usually, when I do like a review battery test, I leave it overnight. I'm like, ah, give it 15 hours to, you know, I should be fine. It should be dead. I start my test at like 7 p.m. The next morning at like noon, I'm like heading out to go to our review uh-huh. shoot. I'm like, all right, all right, it should be dead now. I thought it was dead already. I look mm-hmm. over at the phone and it's still going. And I'm like, okay, maybe in a few minutes more. So I check. Google's like, this phone should be running for another like 10 hours. I'm just like, what the hell? I can't do this. Yeah. <laughs> They they probably have some like crazy battery saving thing. Were you running a looping a video or were you doing like a we, test? I was looping a video. Um, okay. and it, I mean that's our test. And yeah. 
we asked Google afterwards, and it turns out they do optimize for yeah. video playback. So that's why yeah. it sucks juice uh, so much slower. It's weird. Um, I, so when we test laptops, I we turn that stuff off, like some of the special battery saving stuff, because well, no. it does. A, um, it's weird. It's unfair in the way so it treats video. I, but yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, we mm-hmm. do definitely, yeah, you and I, when we test laptops, we turn off power saver. We turn off at the brightness dip after twenty percent thing. These things are. I also turn off yeah. on the phone when we're running a test. But this stuff that Google's talking about, that it's optimized for video playback, mm-hmm. it's in the background. It's it's definitely yeah. not something that the user has access to blocking. So, eh, I mean, like, if you mm-hmm. play a lot of video on your phone, you're going to see much more battery <laughs> life out of the Pixel 5 and 4A5G. Um, the other new feature, one of the things that Google's really good at, uh, you know, and it differentiates their phones from others, whether it's Android or Apple, is software. And, you know, when Google did call screening as a feature back on the Pixel 3, I was like, oh, crap, this is really good. Now, with the Pixel 5 and the 4A 5G, you get this feature called Hold For Me. Hold For Me is like assistant, you know, when you're calling a helpline or a hotline, assistant like steps in and you can tap it and the assistant will be online for you and then you can walk away and come back later when it's ready. And basically what assistant or Google software is doing is listening to the music on the <laughs> on the line and then when it hears someone's voice come on it'll be smart enough to differentiate from your call is important to us and hello my name is someone i'm here to help you how may i help you that sort of thing like, it'll differentiate between those two mm-hmm. things and alert you when it's your turn to talk so i decided to like use the verizon fios helpline because it's like an easy number and mm-hmm. but i mean google did set up by the way uh like a fake hotline for you to call and test if you wanted to but who's gonna use google's optimized right. you know, hotware hotline to test so i called verizon <laughs> internet and i was like okay <laughs> They put me on hold for, by the way, an hour. I was like, God, crap. Yeah. yeah. That's how you an know. Hour, yeah. This is like, a, I called it peak hour. So then uh, the, yeah, assist, yeah, yeah. the, yeah, my phone rang. And then on the screen, it was like, someone's ready for you. And I talked to, I was like, oh no, what do I ask them? I didn't prepare a question. So I was like, uh, so I heard, heard about this thing called 5G. And <laughs> can you tell me how to get it on my home internet? And this poor telephone, like this poor customer service agent was like, ma'am, you can't get 5G in your home. I was like, but I heard that you can get 5G on DSL. Oh, you just kept going. You just kept going. Like the worst just like, sketch skit, like the worst improv skit. Wow. Yeah, but my favorite was when they were like, ma'am, let me tell you all about 5G. And I was like, I know. Did they go into 5G. the to the Rona thing? It's like you don't want five G. Five G is gonna no, give you the Rona. No, this person, <laughs> my my customer service uh, agent, was very nice, very kindly explained to me that like, ma'am, five G is for cell phones. So you need to call the cell service people to talk about getting. <laughs> Although that's like, not necessarily true because a lot of I know, including Verizon, a lot of folks are positioning five G as like home. Home internet yeah. replacement. That's eventually. that's what I was trying to get at, yeah. but not yeah, yeah, very yeah. eloquently. So anyway, <laughs> I I that that call, and then I was just like, so how was that experience for you? Too, <laughs> it was just like really weird. Where like I also had to like turn the question back to the service uh, rep, where I was like, did you hear anything at the start of this call that like <laughs> yeah. told you I that's was using good. special service? It just was yeah. like a fun experience, funny experience overall. I was like, I enjoyed getting a lesson from uh, in five G from. Mm-hmm. Someone who may not may not know as much as me. I don't know. We'll see. Mm-hmm. 
but that was that was <laughs> hilarious. Uh, Can we let, let's wrap this up a little? Uh, just yeah. because I have a burning question: yes. which is the better phone? You think the Pixel Five or the Four A Five G? Because they're both the five G phones. They're both like they're so competitive, and there is a yeah. price difference. I feel like that's the thing. If you go, mm-hmm. if you look at just judge based on our review scores, the Four A Five G is the higher mm-hmm. scored phone. Uh, v review the five, and he would sooner recommend the Four A Five G. For me, I tell mm-hmm. people to get the five because to me, water resistance is that important. Yeah, yeah. But and is it, it a? It's uh. What's the price difference? Two hundred dollar difference if you're not on Verizon. If you're on Verizon, it's a hundred dollar mm-hmm. difference. Okay. So you then, still yeah. save some money, and mm-hmm. also if you're paying over twenty four months, two hundred dollars is like less than ten dollars a month. Um. So really, the difference isn't that great. I think V's mm-hmm. issue with you know uh the five is more that the competition is so much better. For me, I like Google software experiences good at, you know, enough to want to mm-hmm. stick to it. Um, but I agree that there's no like, boom, wow, you know, that sort yeah, of like yeah. headliner uh, attention grabbing feature. So what about buying it, last year's Pixel 4, which you often find on sale or refurbished or something? Because that would be a great deal. And that'd be a no. more powerful <laughs> phone, no? Just no, because uh, one of the things they improved on the Pixel 5 and 4 or 5G is battery life. Um, okay. The 4 and 4XL were not- notorious for terrible battery because of the solely, we think, the, the radar sensing chip. Mm. So and they killed that. There's no more they, radar sensing. Exactly. Because yeah. they're like, oops, didn't work. <laughs> Nobody cares. <laughs> no one wants this. So, yeah. Um, but it's still, I think the other reviews from other publications were like, the Pixel 5 is really, really good. <laughs> I think it's really good because it pared mm-hmm. down and went back to the basics and it nailed the basics. You know, and the cameras are pretty good, too. I do feel like it'd be more... Go ahead. Cinematic pan. Ooh, checks out. It's like, ooh, so smooth. Is that just panoramic, a better panoramic? It's like, no, cinematic pan is this video stabilization mode that gives Uh, you, like, theater quality, like, cinema quality uh, pan footage because it slows the video speed to, like, twice the frame rate. So, like, mm -hmm. about half the speed. And just, like packed in the frame so it just it just looks so smooth it just looks so good it's not just <laughs> it's just shooting high speed video that's just shooting 120 fps or more video yeah yeah i mean that's but they're calling it cinema and they, but but it's also working <laughs> with the scene to stabilize in part as well it's okay. not just packing in the the frames so that's interesting it's pretty mm. it's pretty okay uh. so pixels this year kind of confusing yeah Be, very confusing yeah. choose carefully choose wisely android fans let's move on to our preview of the xbox series x with uh engadget reporter jessica condit hey jess how's it going hey guys going all right how are you <laughs> i i i'm so glad we managed to get you get you on to talk about this. this is one of the biggest hardware news of the week as well even in a week that's so full of hardware news uh and you spent some time with it Mm-hmm. Thanks for getting up early also just mm-hmm. for our Thank podcast so listeners. Thanks for getting up early to join us. <laughs> no, no. All good. That's all right. No, um, I've had the Xbox for like three weeks now. Um, so this is the Series X and mm-hmm. it's that's the big one. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm loving it. So, I mean, my, my preview just went, my final preview just went live today. Uh, that was the mm-hmm. second one. Um, and yeah, I was able to talk about literally everything. Um, it's still a preview console, so this is not like oh. final software, you know, the, it, it is, it's running everything it should, but like the UI yeah. isn't final and stuff like that. Um, but the box looks mm-hmm. exactly like the box will, uh, when it ships. Yeah. 
Your video That's is cool. so great. I mean, the video that you did <laughs> on the, <laughs> on this is it looks right. so good. Um, but sorry, mm-hmm. what what were your main takeaways? I guess from having spent three weeks with this thing. Oh yeah. So I think the like favorite feature that I have is quick resume, mm. um, and this is one of the features I covered in the first preview. Um, mm. It's it allows you to jump between games, like active games that are mm. that are kind of running in the background of the system, and you can just jump into control and then immediately boot up Doom Eternal, and then immediately boot up Don't Starve. And you don't have to wait for each game to close out and then start all over again. You just pick right back up as if the game, as if each game were just paused in the background, which is basically what's happening. Mm. Um, that's really cool. Like that's that takes a lot of power, yeah. and that's something that just like this generation of consoles can't do. Um, mm-hmm. Aside from that, like every game was so fast. Um, this this library that I'm playing with is basically j- just the backward compatible library, um, which I mean, just there's there's a ton of games available uh, <laughs> on Xbox. That's kind of that's kind of their selling point for this generation. They have a ton of games at the at the at starting mm-hmm. line, you know, um, day one. Um, so I've been playing a lot with Game Pass games, and these are all backward compatible. Um, and they they are so fast. The load times between like between deaths or between levels or fast traveling, it is it's three to four times faster than anything on the current gen. Generally, is what I'm seeing. So like ten seconds to load mm. to load a new you know a whole new level. Um, that's kind of unheard of for console gaming. So yeah, Jess, this is your second preview of the Xbox Series mm-hmm. X, which is, man, Microsoft is just really doing a good job of publicizing everything, I guess. What can you tell us <laughs> about mm-hmm. the the actual next-gen games? Because I know you spend a lot of time with the older backwards compat games. It, does anything look genuinely next-gen yet? So all these games, well, not all of them, but most of the like Game Pass and backward compatible games have HDR upgrades. Mm. So they mm-hmm. look good. Um, they definitely like I'm playing, so I have like fallout new Vegas loaded up right now, which is a 360 game. I want to say, um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's gotta be 360. So, I mean, it looks, it looks way better than it did. It kind of, you know, in your memory, these old games look better than they actually were when you load them up. You're like, Oh, right. There were a lot of sharp edges in this game. Um, but when, when you kind of, when you load it up on the new console, it's like, oh, okay, that's kind of actually how I remember it. It looks nice. Um, and and it feels good. Um, but so I played a few new games that, that haven't technically come out yet. Um, Dirt 5 and Yakuza Like a Dragon. So that these are both like, they're coming to this gen and next gen consoles. So it's not totally built for this system necessarily, um, but it does take advantage, you know, of, of some of the higher processing power and everything. Um, so Yakuza looks amazing. Um, load times in that game have never been terribly long. So um, comparing that wasn't like a huge thing. But it, it was really speedy, super, super fun to play, uh, looks good. And then Dirt 5 was super crisp. Like, that's where I was really kind of testing uh, latency and just trying to see if I could feel any pauses between me hitting a button on the brake and, you know, the car stalling or something. Mm. Um, but, but it was so smooth and, and it, it feels, it feels exactly like the next generation should, honestly. Um, it's, it's just, mm-hmm. it's a better, faster console and that's, that's what we want. Yeah. I think one thing, it's just the convenience of it sounds kind of amazing too, but just, do you think we kind of took a step back with the Xbox one and PlayStation four generation where games had to be installed 
you know, like it was very, <laughs> it was so different from the Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3 era where you could just like pop in a game and just start playing. Maybe occasionally you'd have an update to do, but you could just play games off discs. To me, this feels like we're getting back to that sort of like ease of use when it was just easy to pop in new games, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I actually see, um, I see Microsoft they really tried to do what they're doing now. They tried to do with the Xbox One, yes. right? They tried to launch this console that had DRM built in where you where you have to install every game and Microsoft kind of controls how you can use them and all this stuff. But what we what we kind of give up in terms of in terms of DRM, we gain in um, being able to access a huge library of games instantly digitally. You know, we we gain in not having to um, deal with a process of of packaging a game of paying for for the the plastic and the and the actually shipping the game discs and all that it changes the entire market and it actually i think makes it easier it's it's really made it easier for developers to ship games indie developers to ship games um mm-hmm. all that stuff so i i see where this has i don't know i guess i wouldn't call it a step back um but i do see it as making sense with where the where our, our lives are, we're living online. Digital digital life is not a new thing. Online mm-hmm. connectivity um, is is reaching that plateau. You know, p- enough people have a good enough internet connection to be able to use services uh, like Game Pass and and like XCloud and all these other things. So so no, I see it as as a as a natural and and beneficial evolution. Just kind of yeah, making games more accessible, like you say. Like there's so many games. Game Pass is such a good deal. Like I such a good I, deal. I, I yeah. cannot stress that enough. Like I'm not I'm not an Xbox fangirl. It's just it's such a good deal. I don't. Why wouldn't you do it? You know. This is what it's going to take to get Trillin uh, <laughs> to get an actual console because I think the Series S is perfect for people like Trillin who yes. want to play games and don't want like a huge barrier to entry or want to buy $60 games all the time. Like it is, it seems like a great deal. I, I mm-hmm. have to even say like when Jess, you were talking about quick resume, I was already like, mm-hmm. wow, that already sounds better than my switch. Um, <laughs> it is certainly you know, better than yeah. your switch. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, the game pass, like, I mean, I pay for, what is it like Nintendo online just to have some of the online features on the switch. And then I think I bought like what a few games at the very yeah. start of it. So I spent <laughs> a few hundred dollars on games Yeah, and now like mm-hmm. I could just, take that money into game pass and then have this mm-hmm. library of games. I really do think like you guys said is a good deal. I'm not a hundred percent committed to getting a gaming sure. console. Well, Charlene, console yet. So you have so many Android devices. You can just subscribe to game pass and this just use those Android devices That's and true. play games over the cloud. That is kind you know, of where we're at right now. You know, you should start you know. there. Yeah, we were talking about the iPhone 12 earlier to this episode and we didn't mention that <laughs> mm-hmm. League of Legends got a shout out. Jez and I talk about how, we like League of Legends. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I could play League for free on my PC. That's how I play it. But, like, yes. imagine, though, like, with a PC Xbox Game Pass, I think, mm-hmm. uh, integration mm-hmm. as well, and I'm sure there is one. Like, the the availability of games to me would be more. And maybe that's what sucks me in enough so that mm-hmm. I'm like, I need a proper controller yeah. for this. If you I subscribe to Game Pass, Sherlyn, you could play the PC Game Pass games on Windows, I which know. there are yeah. quite a few right now. And those, uh, you know, the streaming are, stuff on Android. Yeah, but you know what? <laughs> I've just been playing so much solitaire. <laughs> God damn it, Shirley. Wow, solitaire. God damn it. Yeah. Yes. This is so Jess, this is my this is what I have to deal with every it's week. 2020, baby. Yeah. Babe, I 
I, I, I've been, <laughs> I love you. Okay. Every time I launch the app on a new phone, the, the solitaire app that I use, which is Microsoft's yeah. own. Just jump like, in and 12 hours go Xbox away. Xbox account. I'm just like, <laughs> what kind of gamer do you think I am? Like, I'm wow. The other game I started playing recently, and this isn't a game, is Duolingo. So. Hey, well, at that's least you're fun. learning no, that, that's something. That's fine. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. I get that. But but maybe this is a year. Maybe the Xbox Series um, X, th- that's the one that we, we just previewed, right? This is the high-end one. Mm-hmm. The X is the high-end mm-hmm. one. The, the S, box. though, mm-hmm. sounds like the one that I should be yeah. thinking of getting if that's if I go get one, right? Or mm-hmm. is that what you think, Jess? Because you know my style. <laughs> yeah, so the S is actually probably... Eh, I don't know. I don't know what I would get. Like, I like if I, you know, if I was just kind of weighing my options. Like, I'm yeah. telling people though. Like, I'm telling my my younger brother and like yeah. my nephews and my niece, the Xbox Series S. It makes sense. It's three hundred dollars. Yeah. And then it's all digital. Mm-hmm. Um, the only concern, like you know, if you have Game Pass, it makes so much sense. Please, yeah. please get the Xbox Series S for that. Yes. But um, the only thing is the. The size of the onboard storage mm. is about 512 gigabytes, I believe. Mm. Um, and that's not all going to be dedicated to games. Like yeah. some of that's going to be used for for other stuff. So that's not a lot of storage, especially considering the size of a lot of next-gen games, which is, I mean, probably mm. around 100 gigabytes is, is yeah. kind of standard. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you want to have apps on there too, you can't really have a lot stored on the console. Mm-hmm. Um, but hey, Dev, you had mentioned something that I didn't actually include in the preview. So you were talking about cold storage, yeah? Cold storage. So yeah, the the problem of this new generation is storage. So the the Xbox Series S and X use this new SSD that's built, you know, it's in the console. It's super fast. Mm-hmm. There is that expandable one terabyte Western Digital Drive, which is or Seagate Drive, which is over two hundred bucks. That's what those drives mm-hmm. cost. Unfortunately, it seems wow. like a lot, but that's what NVMe SSDs cost. Your other option is to plug in any old, you know, USB portable hard drive, and you can play the older games off of those. So you could play the Xbox, you know, 360 and Xbox One games. The Series X games can be stored on those devices. So you can, like, offload it off your main storage um, so you don't have to re-download it again. And then when you want to play it, you have to move it back over, which is... It's annoying, but I do think for a lot of people, you could get, you know, a four terabyte portable drive for around a hundred bucks these days. And it's not the most stable thing in the world. And it's not fast, but it'll play those older games just fine. So I, I think people are going to like stack up on all these things. And that's kind of how it goes sometimes, right? Like yeah. just with, with a new console, like they sell, they sell a certain amount of storage and then they're, they're selling the accessories. It's, it's a very Apple move, I mm-hmm. think. Storage is yeah. expensive. Like storage among the things we're paying for on these consoles it's the storage, it's the GPUs, really. And SSDs are so fast right now, but they're they're expensive. Like, but there's no mm-hmm. getting around that, unfortunately. Jess, do you think yeah. I should get an Xbox or a PS? For, for, my, first, <laughs> for my first adult console. Oh, how fun. I well, know. okay, so like... The Switch is I'm an adult console, f- come on. The Switch I, is an adult console, you my, totally for count. For my higher-end console. Okay. Yeah. Like I, so I'm using in my house, we have a PS4 and I've been using that for years. That's been mm-hmm. our main console. Um, and I have an Xbox one, but we just ended up on the PS4 more often, you know, that's mm-hmm. how it goes. Mm-hmm. So I'm switching from this PS4 to this Xbox ecosystem right now. And that's like where I started my, my gaming life was Xbox. So it feels really nice to go to come home kind of. Kind of nostalgia. Um, yeah. It kind of does. So like, 
that I haven't played with the PS5 yet. Mm-hmm. Um, it hasn't. There, there's an all digital version of that one as well. Um, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I have no idea what that's looking like. Um, I'm sure it's going to be just fine, though, right? It's a new console. It's <laughs> yeah. going to be faster, smarter, all that. Um, but I, I am very much enjoying the Xbox right now. So if I had to give a recommendation, I mean, I can't I can't say don't get an Xbox. That's all. <laughs> I'm just going to be like, I, I will definitely have to wait for like what games come out that, that yeah. lure me into that yeah. ecosystem. And then I'll make that decision. For now, yep. the Switch is perfectly fine. <laughs> Gotcha. Any closing thoughts, Jess, on on this preview so far? We're still working on our, the review will happen, you know, ahead of the launch, but we're (laughs) going to be working on that down the line. Yeah, um, this, I mean, it's an exciting time. It's a a weird year, obviously, for everything, but um, it kind of makes me forget that there's like a whole election coming and everything. Like, (laughs) oh, these consoles are coming, you know, we could just focus on that instead. um, And and I think we'll be okay. But no, please focus on the election too, everyone. Please focus on the election, right. everybody. Consoles Please. are great, but you, you need to survive <laughs> Please, to play the games, okay? Let's take care of that oh, first, man. yeah. <laughs> Jess, where can we find you on the internet, Jess? I am on Instagram, Jess L. Condit, C-O-N-D-I-T-T, and Twitter, Jess Condit. Find me. All Thanks right. for joining us. Thank you so much, us. Jess. Bye, guys. Thanks. Let's move on to what we've been working on. I put up a review of the Surface Laptop Go this week, uh, this was, you know, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago when Microsoft announced it. It is the the baby boy, the tiny Surface so laptop. It has a 12.4-inch screen. It's very cute. Um, I think I enjoyed using it, but my review, it's interesting to see, like, how Microsoft balanced getting this thing cheap, making it kind of a budget machine because it starts at $550, Mm -hmm. um, but also still making it feel premium. And I dive into all that in my review. I think there are some... This is not a computer for uh, people who have used a lot of laptops. If you're a prosumer, um, probably not for you because the screen is super low res. It's under 1080p. Um, It is, uh, what else? The bottom of the case is made out of a plastic material. So it's not like all metal as all the other Surface laptops. It maxes out at 8 gigabytes of RAM where I typically recommend people buy 16 gigabytes of RAM Mm -hmm. on any new computer to really make that last for four years or so. So it's limited in a lot of ways, but the price in particular, the $550 model, super, like it's it's so, it, it has the same processor as all the others, but only has 64 gigabytes of storage and it's slow, slow eMMC storage, which is basically oh, wow. the stuff on flash drives. It is not like the good SSD storage. It also only has um, four gigabytes of RAM. Four gigabytes Oof. of RAM in a Windows PC. Uh, no, not in 2020. I don't think so, Microsoft. So the one I'd recommend, and uh, I think for most people, would be like a $700 model that has, all these have good Core i5 uh, quad-core CPUs, but that one has 8 gigabytes of RAM, 120 gigabytes of storage. Not much storage, but I think for a kid or for anybody's first computer or mm. for undiscerning users, like, hey, this is fine for 700 bucks. The one we reviewed was $900. That has 256 gigabytes of storage and 8 gigabytes of RAM. At that price range, you could buy last year's XPS 13, our favorite PC laptop ever, but you could buy that uh, for around 900 bucks and still get a 4K screen and probably in some cases get better RAM too. So um, I think the $900 model is kind of a toss up. Uh, yeah. This is an interesting play for Microsoft, but man, I, I feel like Sherlyn, if you started using this, you'd find it cute, but really annoying pretty quickly. My main, 
Yeah, my mm-hmm. main thing is like, what's the typing experience? Because it looks so typing cramped is good. in that video. Typing is good because they did a good job of bringing in like the deep okay. surface keyboard, but they had to cheap out because there's no backlight. And mm. if you're like me and you write a lot at night and type a lot in like low light environments, that is super annoying because then you have to have a light near you to actually see the keys properly. Just even like a simple on off backlight would be nice, but that's all added cost that they can't really afford here. Yeah, I mean, I was hopeful that this would be like a good entry point into Surface laptops for people, just because it I is. think the it Surface is. laptop line is great. But it's not the like, $550 Not the 500 not yeah, which, which sucks. I was excited for that price, but I guess maybe mm-hmm. maybe it's four gigs of ram holy four crap. gigs of ram so just like the we reviewed the surface go to this year which is the small you know the smaller tablet. surface tablet hybrid yeah. and i think this is a little more impressive because the surface go to starts at 400 bucks but also the specs there are super low and you really wouldn't want to use a computer like that to make the surface go to usable you'd have to spend for like the 650 dollars model which even then you have a small screen. You have a really, really slow processor because those are running Intel Y-series chips. So mm. anyway, I have complicated feelings about all of these. <laughs> it's nice to see Microsoft making cheaper, smaller devices, but mm-hmm. I don't think we're quite there yet. But hey, it's it's cute. It's cute. And if you're looking for a computer for your kids and they don't need to do much, Surface Laptop Go is fine. It plays Minecraft. It plays the basic game. So hey, that's fine. <laughs> Probably not League of Legends that I play. Um, I mean, probably League is, I don't know. You don't need <laughs> much for League. But you yeah. don't need much, but not, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, I might be maybe reaching a finally f- heading towards a lull in work. Um, but I still have to, like, uh, Google is having an event later this afternoon. I still have to, you know, there's some other things going on that I still can't talk about. Everybody mm-hmm. knows that I can't, I have a lot of secrets. Um and you know laptop companies next week there's two laptop companies that are that have their events so you know we're going to be getting ready for pc news heck except i am penciled in for time off next week so i won't be around so good luck to ventura with handling some of that we'll see how this Um, goes (laughs) but yeah i i also this week covered news of the new nest thermostat um on monday it was announced and I like the look uh, the look of the new one because it's like $130 is very tiny. Mm-hmm. It's a touch-based design. So it gets rid of that like Hallmark, mm. you know, spinning frame. That was that good. That to. was good. I know. A spinning I know. frame mechanical like devices. Let us not yeah. lose this. But yeah. Yeah, it's like the Samsung Galaxy Watch of thermostats, you know mm. what I mean? But uh so it's not that you can't like it completely does away with that spinning frame the nest thermostat with that feature is still available for sale but the new nest thermostat the 130 dollar one is just smaller it's more elegant looking i think it's super pretty uh and i really want one except for i rent an apartment so i well we'll see we'll see but check out that news that's some of the stuff i've been working on as well and fingers crossed you won't hear from me next week (laughs) if i get to take my break (laughs) Okay, well, I hope you get to take your break, Shalyn. Let's move on to our pop culture picks. What? So, what have you? You have some secrets that you'd like to share, <laughs> but always. also, I want to know what you plan to be doing next week to veg and watch too. So oh what's up? Yeah, 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 yeah! Finally, I've been putting off watching *Haunting of Bly Manor* that I've been dying to watch. As listeners of this podcast know, I've been waiting for a whole year to watch *Haunting <laughs> of Bly Manor*. Uh, so, hopefully, next week I'll be able to do that uh, and a lot of other stuff. The the and it'll be good because the last few 
days, I think, because I've been so drowned mm -hmm. in the pixel review that I actually haven't had time to watch all that much. I've been watching Evil, like you recommended, Devendra. It's yeah. Good. I finished the first season. I was so annoyed by some of the characters, but anyway. <laughs> And because uh, those who have heard the earlier last week's episode will know I committed to providing like horror-themed recommendations <laughs> all through October, I really made it difficult for myself by doing that because like everything I've watched since has been like either already recommended in our show or like upbeat. So like not horror-themed. <laughs> so I had to dig deep into my troves. And I started looking for like book recommendations. I was like, maybe, I, maybe there's a good horror book I can recommend you guys. I saw... Uh, on the Kindle store, this category, comics, manga. And I realized that, <laughs> oh, crap. I, I have not told y'all about my favorite horror anime series. Mm -hmm. um, so this week, my recommendation, if you can find it, is this little show called Jigaku Shoujo. Uh, mm -hmm. Translated, it means Hell Girl. Mm -hmm. And it's basically this girl who like... Is this a biopic, Sherlyn? Of, your, of yourself. <laughs> I of wish. Yourself. Like, it's okay. so cool. She just, like, <laughs> basically the premise is, like, you know, it's somewhat Death Note-like where mm -hmm. people can go to this website and they enter the name of their enemy or someone who has done them wrong. And mm -hmm. this girl called Emma I, she, you know, <laughs> serves revenge. She drags them to hell. Oh, and that's it's cool. Okay. pretty cool. It's really cool. I really <laughs> like it. There's a backstory going with her character. But... I, I mean, I watched this when I was a lot younger. I haven't seen it again since. It's supposedly on Prime Video, but I haven't been able to like sort of rewatch it. Um, the other series I want to recommend that's also horror theme uh, anime is Pet Shop of Horrors. I believe this one's mm -hmm. Clamp, and uh, it's basically about this you know woman who runs a pet shop, very exotic pet shop, but they sell like there's little like strange things happening to the people who buy pets from this store uh often these people have a certain vice for some people it's like domestic abuse for some people mm -hmm. it's gambling and the pet like kind of tortures <laughs> it out of them more or less <laughs> this looks like it's, a 90s anime it is 90s like, it's very look, 90s yeah just looking and at the animations like i'm such a I'm such a weeb. I can I can tell like what genre or what era this <laughs> is from. I mean, it's, I remember it's the like name. I remember the name. I never ended up seeing it's this. So yeah. good! It's so good. It's real. I really enjoyed it, but it's so hard to find. I'm sure if you know of a good anime streaming service, like I don't know Crunchyroll mm -hmm. or something, um, you might be able to find both of these. But if you've been looking for a good like animated horror series, I love these two. These are these are my recommendations. Those are super cool. Um, yeah. Well, actually, in that vein, since you were talking about horror anime and other mm -hmm. stuff, so sorry video team um because I, <laughs> I didn't put this down but my recommendation one recommendation to you is anything by junji ito uh mm. including you know the great uzumaki which is a mm. horror manga just about spirals spirals infesting <laughs> and infecting Amazing. a town in japan and it drives people insane and Junji Ito, just his imagery is is some of the most horrific stuff. You probably wouldn't even want to put it up on video because it will freak people out. Wow. So, I would Wait, not so recommend this is that. a manga or an anime? It is a manga. There is an anime. The animes have been bad, so do not okay, watch so the Okay, so I'll find the book. Okay. Find the books. Find the read book. the books. They're really good. Um, yeah. So there's that. I have been watching The Haunting of Bly Manor, <laughs> which uh, Sherlyn, disappointingly, still has not seen. After I have being had so... no time. <laughs> wow. So... Um, Sherlyn, for some reason, wrote a 4,000-word review of the Pixel 4a 5G, and I'm like, I don't 4, know. What? You didn't need to do that, Shirley. You don't need to go that hard. There's so the Pixel many 4a things. 5G. 
No, I find well my our regular editor Terrence, who slashes the crap out of my reviews, wow. uh, is on vacation this week. So I was like, I can go ham. So I went ham. Julian's um, like, I'm just gonna hurt myself more with reviews. Uh, a lot to haunting say. of Bly Manor. It is very good. It is not like the Haunting of Hill House, which was the last Netflix series Mike Flanagan mm-hmm. did. Um, this is more of like a gothic horror, gothic romance type thing because it is. Mm there aren't really many jump scares. There's a great creep factor and Mm. there are ghosts and there are things haunting this, you know, English manor. But it is like, it's more about character building. It's more about, you know, exploring these people, each of whom have issues and baggage and, you know, Mm. weight that they're bringing to this world. And the ghosts are really the things that haunt them. So, you know, the Mm. regrets they have in life, the people they feel have been the people they feel they've let down things like that it is great romantic in a way that i don't think anybody really expected and it's just like it's it's wonderful it's a wonderful watch during october it is not a super scare fest but there is some imagery that will certainly freak you out so i'm saying if you liked uh if you like talking of hill house definitely watch this but really Hey, folks, I've talked about Mike Flanagan before, but go watch anything he's done. Dr. Sleep, mm-hmm. which came out last year, that was the good. sequel to The Shining that nobody really wanted, <laughs> is fantastic. And um, if you have HBO Max, it's on there now. Click into the special features. Watch the director's cut of that mm-hmm. movie because it is half an hour longer and it like is so, one. so good. So I love Mike yeah. Flanagan. I love everything he's doing for horror. That is what you can watch for October and be sure to check out Haunting of Bly Manor. That's it for our episode this week, everyone. Thank you, as always, for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. The podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Davindra online at... At Davindra on Twitter, and I podcast about movies and TV at the Slash Filmcast at SlashFilm.com. Check out our latest reviews, and we're also launching a Patreon soon, so hey, go take a look at that. If you want to send me the names of your favorite hot anime men or cute anime characters <laughs> and animals, you can find me on Twitter at Sherlyn Lowe. Email us your thoughts at podcast.engadget.com. Leave us a review on iTunes, please. And subscribe on anything that gets podcasts, including Spotify. All these names, I'm like, who? What? Okay. Sports? Sports, okay. Yeah. <laughs>